0: As always, welcome back. You're still my favorite guest. Um, it, I hate it that it took us you, so long to, to get you say, together.
1: You say that about all the guests.
0: That is not true. <laughs> you can listen to every episode. <laughs> um, no, honestly, you guys, you, you know, you guys, you and Drew hold a special place in our heart, you know, with Kanto, mm-hmm. um, the pioneers of, <laughs> of our little tin hero which congratulations I mean it is blowing up I mean it's been awesome to see it grow I was just I think I mentioned it on on Twitter on one of your guys posts where you know it used to be the case where we used to you know mention Canto to people and they're like well what's that and now like I hear everybody talking about it which is awesome it's like I picked up the new Canto and, and I'm like yeah Yes. (laughs) Yes, <laughs> I mean that's that's
1: one of the best parts for us is to have uh, readers, just to have have a base of readers that will go into the shop, and when they see that there's a new issue of Kanto, they just they just buy it. It's uh, you know, as creators, we sort of work in in we're kind of insulated in a way where a, a lot of indie creators. The the goal is to break out of the, uh, you know, group of folks that will always read your stuff and you've met them and you know that you have personal relationships. The goal is to break out of that and create a wider uh, reader base so that it's people that you've never met, you've never interacted with. And all they do, all they, uh, you know, the only reason they pick up your stuff is because they like, they like it. Right. And it's so fun to see to to hear stories like that where readers are going into the shops and they're just picking up Kanto because it's Kanto. They don't know me. They don't know Drew. They just know that they like the story. And uh that's so it's so wild. It's so wild as a creator to to have readers that you've never that you that you haven't personally pitched it to. Right. And you know, you know, as indie creators we always are building one reader at a time and you just one more person you talk to and one more person you interact with and you just constantly build that and to have it move beyond that is, is, uh, has been, has been neat. And I say that, and yet Drew and I are still constantly pitching canto to people, (laughs) pick it up. You know, we are always out there trying to get the word out because as much as, you know, people know about it there is so many people who just have no clue what it is
0: yeah exactly um but you know you have come a long way to kind of touch on what you said and and I'll say this you know when when I first discovered canto and you know I was trying to find out more about it you know obviously google was my first <laughs> my first search and I typed in canto and I couldn't find anything I was finding like these weird companies and it took me on like this weird path of, of search yeah. results. And now I type in Canto and it's like Canto Reading Order, Canto in the City of Giants, um, <laughs> West Rook uh, Westrook Productions, adapting Canto, and I'm like, Hell yes. Like, like we we made it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know I mean there was so so there's so far to go with what we want, still want to do with Canto and the story and just exposure and you know getting the word out even farther um but it's good to know that you get on google and you can type it in and now it pops up yeah for sure.
0: that certainly wasn't the case about two years ago (laughs) yeah and you know yeah never stop converting people you know it's like it's like putting a cult together yeah we're coming up i was just looking
1: at the calendar we're coming up on two years i think it was june 26th of 2019 was the release day for canto number one.
0: Oof. I'm, so. I'm sure that's gonna be a special day. You guys gonna do anything special? Oh my god.
1: <laughs> we're gonna make
0: comics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've we've
1: got we're just being crushed under deadlines to get Canto three out. So um we're we're nicely ahead of pace. So we just wanna keep that uh going when Kanto 3 uh, number one comes out in July, it's six issues. And once the, and I tell tell people all the time, I tell creators all the time when you you try to work ahead and when those, when you put out a comic for pre-ordering uh, it's the train has left the station and you just got to do your best to keep up because right. it is not, it is not slowing down.
0: Yeah, it's gonna leave with or without you.
1: <laughs> I, no matter how much time you've built into your schedule, it's not, it's not gonna. You're gonna be shocked at how little time you actually have.
0: Yeah, you know, I I saw somebody on Facebook mention that um, being a creator or a creative mind, um, more so, is kind of accepting the chaos and making sure that you're not trying to follow a set path. You know, just accepting accept the drift <laughs> of wherever your are yeah, just gonna
1: go you. with the the tidal wave you just gotta you know swim swim with it not against it
0: exactly no and i love that man and i mean you guys have done a great job because you guys have put together like such a diverse like you know community and you know it's it's like these like great people and I've even followed people just from like your Instagram because you guys are always sharing all your fans, you know, their excitement and posting everything on their Instagram stories and like it, it's contagious. And, and I love that because I don't think I get that from another community, not to say that other communities are toxic or anything, but yours is like truly special because you can see the love and like how Kanto has touched these people in like a special way and it's really awesome. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. And I think that's honestly what has helped it grow. It's like this contagious happiness. And yeah, it's
1: hope, it's hope and courage and just being able to cheer for somebody who doesn't have any, there's, there's complexity to the story, but there's not, but it's so, it's so easy to understand, you understand what he's doing and what he wants to do and you know, what his quest is about helping others, uh, my I, I take joy seeing ever seeing the folks, the readers who are uh who really love it because we love it. It's not it's not some some sort of self-centered view of oh these people these readers like what we've done. It's that we were able to in however whatever alchemy we we did to turn, you know, each whatever we bring to the table, to turn it into something that conveyed our love for this story and for this character to others in a way that they were they embraced that. Right. It's really it was just it's it's just so uh, so so great to see that that um, our the the passion that we have for it is you know shared by other people.
0: For sure, yeah. And you know, um I can vouch for that. And people, if you're listening, this is not a sales pitch because I don't think I have ever heard you guys reference Canto as a book or a comic. It's always like he's your partner. <laughs> and I absolutely freaking love that. Um, you know he, Well just to be
1: clear about it, he is a, it is a comic book and we would love for you to get a copy. <laughs> <laughs> There's yes. a sales pitch, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, um, I will say this. Um, Jesse was very excited to get his trade of the Hollow Men. Um, it looks so good. I think it
1: printed so go- so well. And the layout and the design that IDW did for it, just it really feels like it's um, part of a larger series, which I really love. I'm a big branding guy. And so mm-hmm. that's why when you look at the covers, they look similar. They feel like they're going to be in the same, you know, Canto three Lionhearted is going to be in this, it's going to have the same sort of cover design with the clock in the background, but there's going to be different characters in front of it. Um, and we're just going to keep doing that sort of branding for it. But I was really happy when I said, you know, when I got a physical copy and saw how, how beautifully it printed. And then, you know, people picking it up, you got to look, You got a lot of um, trade waiters. So readers who wait until the trade, they don't pick up the single issues. And so it's fun to see the second wave of readers who are picking this up for the first time in the collected edition.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I love that mentality. And and yeah, yeah, you can definitely see it in the care that you guys put in putting this together because... I feel like most of the time, um, at least from my experience with a few select um, trades, it almost feels like a trade is an afterthought to them. And you're exactly right. You know, there there is a whole new wave of readers that do wait for the trade. And you know, um, Jesse, which you talked with um, before here on the show, um, he lives in a in a small town here in Arizona that doesn't even have a comic book store. So he's very. I mean, reliant. can you even
1: call that a town? Come on,
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> it's a pit <laughs> stop, <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's that's exactly what it is. Actually, you know, it's a, um, it's Yuma, Arizona. It's it started as a a very small fort, and honestly, the only thing that keeps that town alive is the Marine base, and there just isn't a big calling for anything geek related. There's there's a very small shop for. Um, for trading cards like Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon and all that and they do sell some comics but it's like very local um, stuff but it's weird and honestly um, I would never move back because I I can't live without comic books (laughs) and even with like the shipping available today like it does there's nothing beats the feeling of going on Wednesday or Tuesday now for DC and you know just picking up your stack and like you develop this relationship. Like I've been going to my shop for almost two years now and everybody knows me and, you know, you, you have these conversations about what's coming out and it, it's a whole experience. It, to me, it's like a theme park, you know? It's, it's like every yeah. Wednesday I'm going to Disneyland. <laughs> and, and it's a
1: community and, you know, there's a lot of shared interests and that that's what right. the comic shops really should be is a, a, a community outlet. And I And I feel like there's some... It's. I don't think it's as much anymore, but there was a lot of gatekeeping going on with a lot of shops for a long time. I didn't feel comfortable going into comic shops because it was so intimidating. Before I got really into into comic books, so um, I you know I'm glad to hear that. But yeah. you know, somebody gave me great. Uh, somebody said something that was really uh, that that I kept with me about books and comic books and in sales, and they said that 80% of the sales of a book over its life uh, happen when it's on the backlist and so for for uh for anybody who's listening the backlist is you have a new release and then you have a backlist and I can't I can't tell you exactly when the book is designated as on the backlist but it's only like a month or two uh before it goes on the backlist and in the month or two that your book is out as a new release, that's twenty percent of your sales. And when it goes on the backlist, that's eighty percent. So you're looking at books you, as as a long term proposition for promotion and uh, you know pushing sales and that sort of thing. And so so the the publishers that just treat trade, trades as an afterthought is. It's kind of silly because you'll sell, you know, single issues, however many copies you'll sell. And then you get to the trade and you have potentially years of sales for that trade. Whereas the single issues, unless they're in the back issue bin for a dollar or whatever, you got a month, you got a shelf life of a month to three months before they're just taken off the shelf if they don't sell at comic Mm -hmm. shops. And so the trade is such a huge there's there's publishers out there that do deals where um the the single issues are the afterthought, and they let the creators sort of have most of the um sales for the single issues and they take their cut for uh the trades because they know that the trades are where you're gonna get the life of your book
0: right no, I totally agree, and you know my my wife always. Um, gives me a a little bit of a a judge trip, if you will, uh, a guilt trip uh, about my buying trades. Um, even though I've already collected all the single issues, but she has never, not once, given me crap about buying a canto trade. So, um, well, yeah, you
1: got to be a completist, <laughs> man.
0: Yeah, you know, um, she's she's very open about uh, putting canto um trades and single issues up on the walls and all that. Which isn't the case for a lot of my other geeky collectibles, if you will. So you should feel really special. Um, she she lets you be part of the house decor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that. My uh, my husband has allowed me to uh, put up not one but two spinner racks, <laughs> and they all have and they have all the Canto covers on them.
0: Oh, that is awesome. Um, it's so cool. To... I
1: filled one up. I filled up a spinner rack. Just almost exactly for the first two runs. So for Canto and Canto 2, with all the different covers that we have, I was able to fill up a spinner rack. And um, he's so fantastic that I floated the idea of getting a second spinner rack. And (laughs) he said he he (laughs) reluctantly agreed. So now
0: I'm filling that one up too. Yeah, he has opened a Pandora's box. (laughs) I mean, Uh, granted,
1: they're in my office and not. In the rest of the house, but that's okay.
0: Well, I don't know how it is in your home, but when it comes to my wife, you know, she she has the final say, regardless of what room it is. This this is my office, and I still have to answer to her as far as the aesthetic of the entire home. (laughs) Um, So I I don't know, maybe maybe it's an ongoing. Yeah, it's an an ongoing ongoing, struggle, right? It's an ongoing conversation, (laughs) right? It's all about compromise. That's what a real relationship is, right? Um, you'll have to you'll have to message me privately um sometime where you got those spinner racks because we've been looking for something, um, nicer to display them on. Um, we found these clear like wall shelves, I guess you can call them, on Amazon. But we've been looking for something a little bit nicer for the comics that we really care for, um, to kind of show them off more and. You know, to touch on the the covers that you were mentioning about canto, that's something else I like. And I mean, you've heard the story uh, many times from from me about how my wife got pulled in by Drew's cover, and th- that's the story of our canto journey. But th- they do feel like connecting variants at times, and they're still different enough that you can appreciate each one on their own. But we have them up on the wall, you know, from one and all the variants that we've collected you know all the way across and they flow together and it's beautiful like it's artwork um there is a uh,
1: just just a very quick anecdote the kanto has been on every single cover um that we have done but there is a cover coming where it's our first one that we kanto will not be on
0: oh that's a big a deal. Special one. Yeah. It's a big deal. It's the
1: only and we don't have any plans to have any other covers without him on it. So it's just this one cover. And we were really, you know, we were kind of nervous about not putting him on the cover, but I think <laughs> it's a good cover. So uh
0: No, yeah. Um it is it out for the public to see it? Did they release a preview yet or
1: no? So it's the cover for uh Issue three of Canto three,
0: ah, uh, gotcha. Well, hey, keep an so eye. So you just
1: just finished finished it, but yeah, I think that's, a, I, to me, that's a key cover because it's the first one that does not have Canto. I don't know how much of a key it is because, uh, you know, the series is called Canto, so it's kind of no. a reverse key.
0: Hey, no, yeah, <laughs> you gotta try something different. I mean, that yeah. you have yeah. my attention for sure. I mean. <laughs> um, Well, definitely have to check it out. And I mean, it'll be up on the site once the previews come out. But um, I wanted to talk about speaking of like special issues, if you will. um, You do a lot of work with Collector's Paradise. Um, How did that get started?
1: It's a great it's a great program. So Collector's Paradise is a a shop close to where I live. Uh, There's in Southern California. And it became I I moved uh, in in LA uh, two three years ago, and it became my local shop. And when the pandemic hit, nobody was doing any signings, no no shop appearances, no cons, Mm -hmm. nothing like that. So Ed, who owns Collectors Paradise, came up with this idea of oh, we can do a pre-order if you pre-order all the issues of uh, of a like five issue miniseries, and the creator is local. I can have the creator sign all of the books, all of the issues. And for the creator, it, it's just a matter of taking the time to go to the shop and sign the books, but it locks in pre-orders for, from, through Collector's Paradise for all five issues. So you don't have to worry about keeping folks on from issue one to two to three to four. So it's a great thing for us as creators, but he thought this is a way to get uh, signed copies out there. For readers who want them. And we started with Canto Two, The Hollow Men, in 2020. I think it was August. And from there, it was very successful. And from there, I personally have done Canto and the City of Giants, Canto Three, uh, Killer Queens, which is my new book that's coming out from Dark Horse in the fall. And beyond me, they, he's expanded into so many different series now, where he offers the pre-order for all the issues. And Southern California creators who are local will come into the shop and sign them all. And you know, I post photos all the time on my on my socials mm-hmm. of me going into the shop. It's one thing that's really brightened up the stay-at-home for the last year and a half or so was being able to go into the shop just otherwise it was basically closed and just being able to go in the shop and get that little exposure to you know all the comics on the walls and you know, just be around all that stuff as i'm signing comics for readers who have jumped on board
0: yeah it, it's honestly great and i don't think i've missed one yet so it it really gives me I always sign up for all of your guys full runs anyways, but it it gives me the peace of mind that I'm going to have that backup in case life happens because I I do have two dogs that do spaz out every now and then and he he got a hold of one of my copies of X-Men Legends and um, I mean he's a puppy, he's four months old now and I think he was about... I want to say like two months old when he got a hold of it. So I can't really blame him for it. He does like the chew thing, especially as he's teething, but um I do like having that peace of mind that I will get those signed copies at the end. Sure. And it's honestly a hell of a deal because I mean to have your autograph along with like a COA or certificate of authenticity, um I, I don't think they they charge anything more than cover price do they Well
1: I was going to say that a uh, uh, shout out to Ed I thought that was a great idea. He doesn't charge anything uh beyond cover price for it. There's no I I I don't charge any signature fee. He doesn't charge a signature fee. All you have to do is pay for the shipping for the fight and wait for all the issues to come out so that he just has, he just ships it in one package but yeah, right. I thought it was a great idea to just do it at cover price because really all we're trying to do is sell more copies. We're not trying to, uh, you know, he's got the same mentality that I do, which is we're not trying to, uh, you know, gouge people or make money on this. It's really just sell more copies, get more copies out there,
0: and yeah, it's been man.
1: really successful. It's been really successful. It has.
0: Um, I, I've noticed, and you know, even from the from the first one you did, you know, it it got us a little start, probably because a lot of people you know, weren't expecting something like this to happen during the pandemic. And, you know, it it takes a while to get the gears turning and getting people's eyes on it. But that's something I noticed the second time around when you did your next one is, you know, right off the bat, people were jumping on it. It was all over social media, retweets, people posting that they had, you know, um, signed up for it and everything. So, I mean, yeah, kudos to you and Ed, Ed, you're an awesome dude. Um, I, I appreciate I'll how. will <laughs> let him know you said that. Yeah, I appreciate how the care he puts into shipping comics too. You you let him know that. Thanks okay. to him, I I have completely revamped my comic storage with the whole double sided, um, bag and boarding. It, it saved me a ton of space, and my wife and was money. super
1: happy. Yeah, and money from bags and boards. If you can, if you can bag two comics at one in one bag
0: yeah you know i don't know why i never thought of it and my wife i believe had mentioned it before and, and i kind of brushed it off i was like no it doesn't seem right i don't think it's meant for that but i mean i got his comment and i was like hey this actually looks pretty cool and we did it and i think we condensed from like six boxes down to like three or four and i was like holy cow and we have all these extra bags of boards now <laughs> <laughs> it, it worked great. out great i mean that, that's awesome so it's ed you have brought a lot of good things to my life <laughs> um but you know before we do jump into killer queens i i wanted to pick your brain about the series i don't think we've had a chance to really speak um since this was announced um other than my congratulatory uh message <laughs> um what what can you tell us about that is any any update as to when we might see it, or anything you can see? Share what with us? I don't know what you're talking about. Well, oh, the Canto adaptation, of course. <laughs> <It's easier. laughs> uh,
1: yeah. So in March we announced that uh, Westbrook Studios, which is the studio, uh, it's it's Will and Jada Pinkett Smith's uh, studio had optioned Canto for a film adaptation with Drew and I executive producing and I get to write the screenplay. Uh, So it's been a very exciting few months. It's still pretty early in the process. So we are still uh, moving ahead with the, you know, partnering up with Westbrook and uh, working on uh, moving it from the page to the screen, and unfortunately, I don't have too many updates at this point. That uh, you know, it's a, we, we're, we're a little a little early in the process to share a lot of information. But uh, follow us on the socials, and you know, as soon as we will be screaming it from the rooftops the moment we have uh, you know <laughs> some some additional piece of information or you know, attachment or, you know, progress report. We we will be sure to share all of that, but it's very exciting. It's, it's, it's exciting to be part of the uh, creative process. A lot of times when these, when, when comics get optioned, it sort of moves on to another team in the TV or film space mm-hmm. and they take it from there. And Westbrook has really trusted us to be part of the team that that's going to adapt it. So you know, it's still going to be Canto, you know, maybe slightly, you know, there might be variations from that first story arc, but uh you know, it's still going to be authentic Canto because we're still going to be very much involved with the story that's going to be uh on the screen.
0: Right on. Like, just knowing that it exists is good enough news for me. <laughs> um I, you know, when I first started reading comics, um, I picked up Donnie Cates' God Country. And I always thought that I would be the most excited about that being adapted into a film, which it is, with Donny Cates writing the screenplay as well. Um, but honestly, I was much more excited about Kanto. <laughs> um, it completely <laughs> won me over. And I was in disbelief when I read the article. I was like, no, I feel like, like, this this would have been, like, something that I heard about sooner. Like, how was I so out of the loop? And it just came out of nowhere. And it, I believe it was so late in the evening, too. I was like, they can't be dropping news this big so late. And, oh, man, it was so good to see. And um, let me ask you this. And, and maybe, you know, I know you're very early in the stages, so maybe you can't answer this. So are we looking – are you looking to adapt the entire – first arc into one film yeah Yeah. so that's
1: that's the goal is those first six issues that if i only had a heart arc is going to be what is the basis for the film adaptation
0: right on right no i love it um so let me let me pick your brain a little um so you know obviously you've been writing for a while and you know you obviously been very successful in writing comics and how has it been to make that jump into a screenplay? Is that something that you had done before or has it been kind of like a culture shock for you? So, yeah,
1: so I, I started out writing, um, in film. So I went to the, uh, I went through a program at UCLA called the professional program in screenwriting, uh, way, I can't even, I don't know, 20, 2013. <laughs> I don't know. Time has no meaning, Thomas. Exactly, no. no the, the pandemic
0: <laughs> has turned the world into its own dimension. Anything well, f- prior to 2019 does not exist. <laughs> right.
1: It was the before times. So, you know, it was almost, uh, it was cl- close to 10 years ago uh, now. Well, I went through that program and I started uh, writing uh, s- screenplays and you know I did I, I I wrote some in TV pilots, that sort of thing. and then I moved over into comics, found some success in comics. So I had all of that uh, you know screenwriting under my belt, and I also uh, continued to do that as well as comic writing. So I had a um, and I experienced some success there. So by the time canto, was in Westbrook's hands and, uh, you know, we, we asked, you know, I, I I wanted to be the one to write the screenplay, the adaptation. Mm I had some, I had some ammunition for that. So I, you know, I had a sample that I could give them and I, you know, just basically demonstrate to them, I can write a good movie. I'm not just writing comics. So you can trust that I'll be able to adapt this into another medium uh, and they and they agreed with that, and so that's why I got to stay on. You know, I, I think with Donny, Cates, uh, and and God Country and that sort of thing, you you get to a certain level of success, and then folks just sort of trust you with being able to do all this stuff. Right. We definitely are not. I'm not at that level, so it was a it was convincing them that I'm the right person for this, and having created and you know, co-created the story with Drew and written all the scripts for the comic. It, w- it was easy to pitch me as the best person to be able to tell the story. Uh, and then the, the other piece of it was, and also I have experience writing movie scripts. So they were able to sort of have some confidence that I could be the one to adapt it. I think that's where that's that's where we were able to to land with it which is fantastic because it's so hard to do that as a creator.
0: Yeah, no, and honestly, I think they made a great decision. I mean, I don't think anybody could do a better job than, you know, you two who created this entire universe and have that bond with the character and, you know, the book that I don't think anybody coming in, as passionate as they may be, I, I think something's always lost in translation, which we've seen in, in many comic book adaptations <laughs> and adaptations of other forms of media, like video games yeah. and such. So. And
1: there's there's an intangible piece of it, which is we've been working in this, Drew and I have been working in this world so long and so, so deeply that when I'm writing the scripts or we're looking at, adapting it, there are things that are going to pop up that are subconscious that are, you know, things that have been percolating in my brain mm-hmm. that will make it onto the page that somebody who hasn't been steeped in this world, the way we have been, it it wouldn't necessarily occur to them. So I think that's a huge value that we bring to an adaptation is there's we, we could write a 30-page Bible as to what this world is and who all the characters are and, you know, every nook and cranny. And still there's going to be places that we think of to go to that somebody who's coming in cold, who has not been part of the story in the com- on the comic side.
0: That may not occur to them
1: to do that. And I think there's right. a lot of value there.
0: Yeah, and no fault to them. It's just, I feel right. like when you're the one you know, the mastermind, um, pinky and the brain, if you will, or two brains in your case, um, uh, with you and Drew, uh, I, I, I won't <laughs> throw Drew under the bus calling him pinky. <laughs> I'm gonna <tell> him, um, <laughs> Pink the brain. um, you know, it, yeah, it's like part of that world lives in your head and, you know, it, it's nothing that nobody will ever have access to. So yeah, for sure. Uh, Will and Jada, you probably don't listen, but Hey, you guys made a good choice. Um, but I want to talk about your new comic, um, Killer Queens. Killer Queens,
1: man, I freaking I'm, so love this. I'm so excited!
0: I'm so excited for this book. You know, and I don't know if you have any say in the covers because, honestly, between Kanto and Killer Queens, like the covers are killing it, man. They're I mean, dope,
1: right? They're dope.
0: Uh, it It reminded me. I couldn't remember the name of the game, but I played this this indie game once on on my playstation console and they were filming this old sci-fi movie and it was you running through the scenes and basically a sci-fi adventure and it was very 60s oh my god that sounds amazing
1: that sounds amazing
0: i'll have to find out the name so you can check it out if you want to play it but it was it was very comedic and you're basically filming Um, these scenes and like playing out through the scenes in the movie. And this is the vibe I got. It was like very retro.
1: It's called retro futurism.
0: Yes. And it's what, it's what the people
1: in the 1950s thought people in the 1990s and 2000s, what it would be like, you know, with the flying cars and and,
0: (laughs) the Jetsons.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's very much that. And so, Killer Queens, for for everybody who's listening, I we put together an all LGBTQ creative team to create what I, in my dad joke way, like to pitch as Guardians of the Galaxy. So, <laughs> so it's uh, two uh, uh, gay form uh, reformed intergalactic assassins who are on the run from their. Former boss, who is a fluffy monkey with a jetpack, and they've stolen their ship, so they're trying to, uh, you know, avoid him chasing them down. But they've got to eat, of course, so they take a job, which is a kidnapping retrieval on a nearby planet. That half of it is run by a fascist dictator who does not um, care for outsiders. But uh, their carefully laid out plan pretty much all goes to hell right away. And um, they're the killer queens. So, you know, hijinks ensue. So it is a send up of 1940s, 50s sci fi comics like Planet Comics and Weird Science and those kind of things, but with a very 21st century queer uh, sensibility to it. So that's kind of my goal was to mix, you know, that very antiquated notions of, of, of people in from the 50s indifference and the quote unquote other and and sort of mix that in with our you know evolving sensibilities about how we treat each other um even though we might not be you know we're we're, we we all have unique characteristics so
0: right
1: uh that's that's what it is
0: no and honestly you (laughs) captured it perfectly um yeah the guardians of the galaxy is honestly the best joke i've ever heard and... somebody
1: else said somebody else said oh, a long time ago in a gal in a galaxy far far gay <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: kudos
1: <laughs> and i lost it when i heard that but oh, the tagline yeah. is putting the and assassin, assassin. And like you said, the covers, we have covers from um, the artist uh, on it is Claudia Balboni. Colorist is Harry Saxon. And uh, letterer is Lucas Catoni. It's from Dark Horse. And covers are by Claudia and Harry is cover A. Cover B is by my buddy Chris Ables, who is a phenomenal illustrator. And he did a wonderful Don Bluth-esque Space Ace Dragon's Lair uh, style cover for us. And then we got Jen Bartel to do the cover C, which was a um, tribute to Boris Vallejo covers from like Conan, Conan, and um,
0: ah, you know
1: that's the the one that
0: caught my eye. Yes, the Edgar Rice Burroughs
1: adaptations. Uh, A lot of the listeners might know it from. the movie poster from the original National Lampoon's Vacation movie, where he's the big muscly guy with a torn shirt and his wife is holding onto his leg. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, she's that, that cover's been getting a lot of, of positive uh, comments. So yeah, I'm really thrilled I, with all of the covers. And wait do yeah, you I'm see prepared. the ones that are coming, dude.
0: I can't oh, even man. express I, I cannot... to you. I can't even wait. I'm I'm definitely going to be collecting these with cover A's and the variants. So um, I'm going to be making a a good book off of me. But yeah, this Jen Bartel one really captured me. Um, I don't know what it is. I mean, her covers always do that to me. And I didn't even know this was Jen Bartel, but I could totally see it now. And yeah, I mean, there's something about the detail that she put, um, especially around Max and Alex's face on this cover. Yeah. It it just like draws me in and it it's awesome.
1: Yeah, so it's going to be four issues and all the cover A's are Claudia and Harry. All the cover B's are going to be Chris Abels and then the cover C's we're going to have um guest artists. So uh issue 2 is Elizabeth Bales, who is a fantastic up-and-coming artist who just everything she does is gorgeous. Uh the issue three is David Tulaski, who it's, uh, I don't want to pick among among covers as my favorites, but I just this <laughs> this cover came in and I just started shooting off text to all you know all these people. Just look at this cover! Look at this cover! And then uh, the fourth one is I put a call out on Twitter uh, for LGBTQ cover artists because we had one slot left. I thought let me let me uh you know create an opportunity for somebody who uh maybe might want to take take this kind of work and you know maybe get get a little bit more uh name recognition hopefully from it and I got so many amazing responses I have a whole list of LGBTQ cover artists now who just are just wonderful uh and one of them who stood out to me uh uh, uh, just amazing technical st- skill and style, Alex Moore, who is oh, will I- be doing uh, issue four uh, cover C for us, and I just oh, got I- it in, and it was
0: seen them on Twitter actually, yeah,
1: fantastic. Uh, their style is very much uh, black science, if you remember that. I yes. think his image, yeah, black science, stylized but very cool. So th- their cover they just turned in was phenomenal. So <laughs> that's there's a lot there's a lot of exciting covers coming. And the well, story is great too.
0: No, it is 100% and you know it's funny um you know going back to the Guardians of the Galaxy it it, it really felt like that and you know it's like you created this entire ragtag group of of characters into two people and and it works so well because their banter and like their personas everything it flows so nicely and honestly I absolutely fell in love with Alex um big <laughs> yeah. crush with her personality of all things um it was just hilarious she's
1: great uh, you and know I I, I set out, uh, you know, Kanto is serious. I mean, there's funny, we have funny moments and there's goofiness to it, but it's ultimately, you know, a serious mm-hmm. story. With Killer Queens, I wanted to set out to do something that is just fun and funny. And we definitely delve into some serious issues like fascism and xenophobia and, you know, racism and, and just the... the um ostracizing of the quote-unquote other anybody who doesn't look or act or think like us mm-hmm. and we we delve into those uh issues but we just we just have so much fun during the whole story with these two characters that that's what i wanted to that's what i set out to do and i hope the readers who really like Canto give it a shot and you know it doesn't it's it's it doesn't it's not going to bother me at all if the people who who love Kanto don't love Killer Queens. I think there are going to be new readers that come in that maybe didn't connect with Kanto, but then do connect with Killer Queens. So my goal is to, at the end of the day, just continue to expand the the uh, the readers who are picking up these comics to read, even if they don't necessarily pick up everything that I do they find something that they that they enjoy
0: right no yeah I totally get that and you know something I always say is you know when it comes to comic books it's almost like music Um, I wouldn't go out and say that any music is bad it may not be for me but it's for someone and for somebody to enjoy and that's exactly what it is for comics. You know, I, I I will never say that a comic is bad and it does every single comic I've ever read, whether it was one that I wanted to re- read long term or not. There was something that I found that I enjoyed and there's always something good to get out of it. So, yeah, you know, maybe it won't be for everyone, but it will be for somebody. And at least for me, you know, this is 100 percent different from Kanto but you can still see the boar in it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what that is. We'll call it that. that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, it's, the best way I can compare it is to, um, I'll go back to one of the first um, comics I read was when I read Die from Kieran Gillen. Um, You know, it's a very serious and heavy comic that deals with you know loss and a lot of you know negative impacts on people's lives and it there's no really silver lining or bright light that you can find out of this series it, it's, it's just a really dark comic and then he went and wrote something like ludocrats
1: and oh, yeah.
0: this was just bananas and it, it it's exactly you know the same story with you you know you get canto And you get the hope and you get, you know, the story that, you know, for us adult readers, we we do see the, you know, the the dark undertones that, that are there that, you know, maybe not the younger readers won't really pick up on completely. And then we get Killer Queen's. And it's like a whole other side of you, but it's still your writing. You can see it, and like, oh, that's in that's your cool writing. that you say that. Yeah, I don't you know, know. It, it, no, yeah, it's still you, and like, I could tell this is a boor book, but it's like I'm getting to meet a new version of you, and I loved it. You know, that's... it 100 it, it was was cool. It's like getting to meet this new side of you, and. I honestly wasn't sure if I was going to like it because I didn't know what to expect, but I love sci-fi. So I was like, for sure, I'm going to give it a shot. And I love you guys. So, you know, I, I wasn't not going to give it a shot and I couldn't put it down Um, <laughs> when you sent me the link. I read it and I read it again today as, as an excuse to be able to read it again, because, and I'm sorry if I butcher his name, um, but is, is it Beatty or Bitey? Beatty BD, and it's actually okay.
1: that his name is based on the species of monkey
0: that he's oh, based off
1: of. There is a beady monkey.
0: Okay, so I know you guys have done a lot of Canto figures, or people have done them for you. Somebody Don't you get want on a this. little
1: fluffy monkey with the jetpack, man. Yes, a build a bear, if you will. <laughs> how, about, how about how about some hench otters to go with? Yes. That? Oh
0: my god, that killed me. Who came up with that idea? <laughs>
1: Oh, I don't know. Somewhere along in the process, we we decided he needed hench hench people. <laughs> but you know what? Otters are just adorable. And what you know what what would you do if you were an otter, but then you had to be a big tough guy? <laughs> and and yeah, not great. It's not great.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, I absolutely love that he has like this very intimidating, like Terry Crews body and then you get to his face and it's like and the it's most like, otter. Otter face yeah. ever so there's all. um we're
1: doing a short uh for the trade uh that is called Killer Queen's Presents Harry the Henchotter in It's Not Easy Being Mean
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh it's <man>. just
1: about <laughs> A little slice of life for poor harry the henchotter there's so a little bonus that you get if you get the he's trade. misunderstood <laughs> um by well, far he's just trying to be this big tough guy he's like oh yeah i took this job with this monkey with a jet pack and i was like oh this dude this guy he gets it <laughs> <laughs>
0: So I Sorry. can relate to this, <laughs> um, but no, it, it was honestly great, and I 100 have confidence that you guys will get an opportunity to give us much more killer queens because you'd have to be insane to not enjoy this. And honestly, I mean, knock with, on
1: wood, right?
0: So yeah, everybody's exactly. Listening, please,
1: please pre-order because we could tell hundred stories with these characters, and I would love for it to keep going in these, you know, four issue. Just do four issues, stories, and just keep doing that for as long as we can. Um, and it's all going to be based on success and sales. So, I somebody asked me, "What, what, you know, is there any commonality between Kanto and Killer Queens?" And I said, "Well, my be, my best advice to anybody who's uh, a writer or artist, just do." To just pursue stories that you love, that you are just passionate about, and you absolutely adore. And I loved Kanto from the first second that we started, you know, writing this story, writing the story with him. Uh, and it was the same with Killer Queens. As soon as, as soon as I came up with that idea and these characters, I just fell in love with them so much. And just the the cheeky tone of it, and just not taking themselves too seriously. I just loved everything about it. Uh, and so that, to me, is what's in common for Canto and Killer Queens. It's just my passion for telling these stories that I would, I would just be geeking out over if I was a reader. So that, if you love Canto, give Killer Queens a shot because that passion f- from us, from the entire creative team, it is there just as much as it's there in Canto
0: for sure and yeah and you know um I know that you know it's an LGBTQ um you know characters and it's an LGBTQ um creators but this this really is something that can be enjoyed by by anyone yeah. um you know it's it's very relatable and you know this is something It's not that, um, yeah
1: Thomas it's not it's not a coming out story it's not it's not a story about um You know, these characters struggling with their sexuality, or, you know, any of these typical stories that you see, which are important and they're necessary, but this is not, those aren't the kind of stories that we set out to tell. This is, oh, they happen to be two queer characters, but they're going to be doing big, fun space adventures. And that's the kind of story that I think that I love is that seeing characters that reflect our current world but that are in stories that are not about those characteristics.
0: Exactly. Yeah. You hit the nail right on the head. And and yeah, that's the point, you know, that, that I was really pushing for is that, you know, when we see things, um, you know, that are queer related, they are telling their journey. And yeah, some people, you know, do need that kind of, you know, inspiration, if you will. Um, you know, to help them create their own journey. And, but what I loved about this is that, you know, they happen to be queer, but it doesn't define them. You know, um, they, they are just people and that's how everybody should be looked at. And, and that's what I really loved about it. And I honestly think that everybody should give this a chance. Um, it, it's an absolutely wonderful story I completely lost it when they cut the audio on BD <laughs> and he just holds up the sign. And is like, did you just cut my audio? Oh man. I need that on a poster because I died. <laughs> yeah. In the
1: script I wrote, uh, for that last panel, I, I um, I'm not going to give it away. I'm, you're just going to have to read it, and then yes. some point down the road, I will tell you what I wrote in this panel description. You got it for that last panel <laughs> to describe what was going on. Um, yeah, yeah, um, we didn't, we didn't take, we didn't take <laughs> ourselves too too seriously, and I think. No,
0: and it, it's it's honestly it works because it it came it came out as it should have. It, it's just something that, you know, as a reader, sometimes you read a comic and from page one to the final page, it it just flows and you kind of feel like, you know, you, you enjoyed something that was fluid and good. And the best thing for me is when I turn the page and it's already the last page and I'm not ready for it to be over. <laughs> that's when I know I experienced something great. And I mean, this was digital, so I was scrolling, but um, you you get the picture. That that's how it was. You yeah, know, it's was... just
1: it's those those issues that you just read, and you're not you. There's nothing that ever takes you out of the story. It's exactly. Just, you're constantly the whole time. It's could you know ten minutes takes fifteen minutes to read a, a single issue, but for those ten or fifteen minutes, you're just sort of taken along yeah. on that journey. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But... I, was, I was on the ship. <laughs>
1: That makes me so happy to hear that because, you know, we we toil in the dark. We toil in the dark by ourselves and we never know how these things are going to go. And this was kind of a big, uh, you know, turn from Kanto. But again, I just had so much passion for it. So happy with Dark Horse having taken taken a chance on it. You know, get, get a good LGBTQ story out there that reflects well on the community and give, you know, put together an all-queer team that that really uh, was able to bring some genuine, you know, perspective to it. And it was all, those are all the things that we were going for. And I, I feel like uh, based on the very early feedback that we've gotten, that it, it, it's, it seems to be working. So let's keep it going
0: yeah for sure um this this really speaks unity more than anything to me um you know with us basically removing these labels from each other you know because at our core you know we we all have a heart and and that's what i like
1: we're just all space dum-dums yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) we're all space henchmen otters or space monkeys with jetpacks yeah (laughs) i love that um, but, you know, let me let me ask you this, um, because this is um, something that I've always been curious about. And I think why I was so excited to see something like this, especially, you know, um, during Pride Month when, you know, we, we get to celebrate these things. Um, do you think that, you know, this is something that the comic industry needs more of?
1: Well, yeah, we always need more LGBTQ creators and comics, I think. Uh you're seeing a lot more of it. You see all the the whole DC Slay, Pride Slay, you saw the Marvel Pride, which is all fantastic. Uh I think there's never going to be enough of it. Mm-hmm. I you know, I I I think every new story to come out is is another win for the LGBTQ community. And to have a publisher like Dark Horse take a chance on it, on Killer Queens in particular, it just lends legitimacy to, it legitimizes these kind of stories. And I, and you know, my goal is, like you said, to bring on a broad audience beyond just the queer community to, you know, just enjoy this space adventure. And, uh you know, just with these characters that have particular characteristics, uh, but it's just a space adventure that can appeal to everybody. So, yes, I think it, a- every series to come out is a great uh, step forward. And I think there are, the sky's the limit for queer creators, queer stories. And I think we'll see more of them as we go along.
0: Well, hey, I look forward to it, um, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, I haven't been in in the comic circle for too too long, I think coming up on two years now, um, but yeah, I don't think I've ever seen you know an event at least advertised as heavily as what d c and Marvel did this year for Pride Month, and it was awesome. I mean, those anthology books that they put out were were great, and the yeah, covers, yeah, everything. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think they went from gosh, I could be wrong about this, but I, I wanna say last year or previous years they would do Pride Month covers. But this year they actually put together full books with stories and creators for Pride, which, you know, is a big it's a big step forward. Now we just need to see mainstream, you know, gay and lesbian right. heroes.
0: No, for sure. Um, well, hey, next year I'm sure we're gonna see something. Hopefully, we'll be seeing more Killer Queens. Maybe Killer Queens will be doing something special for Pride Month. Um, I, I definitely don't doubt it. You, you can knock on wood. I don't. Oh, on my, I'll knock on my, on my desk for you here. <laughs> um, but I honestly, I I don't doubt it. I mean, I I said it about Kanto and I have no doubt in my mind that Killer Queens will be a similar story. So that's mark, awesome. Mark that your calendar feels, now.
1: That makes me feel so good.
0: <laughs> you can mark your calendar now. Two years from now, we're going to be talking about the Killer Queens animated movie <laughs> franchise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know if
1: it's going to be. A, 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 you know, Invincible did a lot for adult animation, like comic yes. adaptation. Um, so you know, you never know. I think there's yeah. there's a lot of TV potential with Killer Queens. But we're so yeah, early.
0: Sure. We're um, so
1: early in the process right now.
0: Right, yeah. You're you're still building the world, but I don't doubt it's gonna get more than four issues. Um so if you want to forward this particular clip to anybody at Dark Horse, um I I will go ahead and clip it for you. <laughs> and... <laughs> I will let
1: you send a strongly worded email
0: <laughs> to my editors. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um but you know, is is there anything you'd like to say to your fans? Um, you know about Canto or killer Queens, any, any messages for them out there? I guess, well, yeah, always
1: thank you first. And, uh, you know, for the, for everybody who reads Canto and picks up Canto and, you know, continue on this journey, just know that Drew and I appreciate it so, so much. We are just as passionate about the, the character in the story as everyone who reads it, uh, same with Killer Queens. Get you know, give it a shot. Pick up that first issue if you enjoy it and want to see what happens. Keep going with us. Uh, Where the whole team is incredibly passionate about that. So we, uh, we're we're right there with you. We'll always, no matter <laughs> what happens with anything that I, any series I create or anything I do, I'm always going to be down. You know, with I'm going to be always with the readers and just as passionate about these stories telling them as the readers are in reading them. So thank you very much. Maybe follow us on, you can follow me on the socials at David Boer on Twitter and at David M Boer on Instagram. Uh, you can follow Canto at Canto comic on Instagram and Twitter. Killer Queens now has its own Instagram account, which is at killer underscore queens underscore comic and uh yeah keep 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 uh keep an eye out for updates and hopefully we'll have some you know big exciting news as we go forward,
0: yeah, you know, maybe one day we'll see a canto killer queen's crossover I mean if Sandman <laughs> and lock and keep can do it, why can't they right
1: <laughs> I know just one just one they they land on.
0: <laughs> the they land on world. his world and they just take off world. <laughs>
1: they take one look around and they're like nope and then they, <laughs> then they take place off
0: this is depressing, let's go yeah. how did they, yeah. they live down there? <laughs>
1: yeah how did they live down there?
0: yeah well hey, if you guys have a short extension span like I do, take a look at the bottom, all of his social links are down there as well as Canto and killer queens as always if you want more in-depth coverage go to our website at geek but david it's always a pleasure i know we'll be speaking again sometime in the future but i look forward to august 18th um when we go ahead and see the official launch of killer queens when i'm sure you will be celebrating your pants off on social media after hearing about the success
1: i'm going to be right back on the show you can't get rid of me
0: no no always man uh, we're we're still doing bad movie reviews every now and then right now we're on a oh. nick cage binge oh my so god so if if you're interested we're going to be watching mom and dad um, am i going to here. have to go to
1: the mat for con air or we're Space we're actually Ball? doing
0: his um more unknown bad roles <laughs> Uh, we just did jujitsu and willie's wonderland recently oh and my now we're doing mom and dad which i'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, it's is it a horror movie it it is in a sense so aren't they like killers or something yeah so essentially this movie um it it's about two teenagers who's parents and every parent in the town for 24 hours goes on like this frenzy where all they want to do is kill their children and nicholas cage just happens to be the parent of one of the protagonists and it's the nickiest cage i've ever seen um it supersedes nicholas cage in face off when he loses his mind it's bananas and my friend Daniel who's been doing these episodes with me has never seen it and it's a crime that he has never seen this side of of Nick Cage so if you want to join us let me know and we'll put together a date where we can all get together okay
1: you're not gonna make me go to the mat for cats again are you
0: no no I I will I will never make you do that um but again 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 yes (laughs) (laughs) um but as far as con air you you do not have an enemy here um i absolutely love that film
1: i do too i cried yeah i'm not ashamed to admit it when whoever sang um how how do i live
0: at the end i'm like nick cage uh, you just
1: made me cry (laughs) now i'm mad at you
0: oh man and i love oh man his name always steve buscemi um he's absolutely great in that movie
1: well, in Steve Buscemi's defense, he's pretty much great in everything.
0: That is true. Um, and he is friends with Adam Sandler, so you can't go wrong there.
1: There you go. Um,
0: but hey, I'm going to hold you to it. If you're interested, you can watch the movie. But in the meantime, everybody go pre-order Killer Queens. Go to Collector's Paradise. Are they still doing the signing for Killer yeah.
1: Queens? Oh, yeah. It's still open. You can order um, pre-order all four issues at cover price. Uh, with my signature and a certificate of authenticity. And um, if anybody was aware of Kanto in 2019, if you got your pre-orders in for that first issue, um, you have done well for yourself. So I don't know if Killer Queens <laughs> is going to go that same way, but why not pay $4 instead of more than that?
0: Hey, you never know. But again, always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, We'll be seeing you again soon. And everybody, check out the links at the bottom. I'll add Collector's Paradise so you can pre-order your Killer Queens and anything else you're looking for. But remember to always geek responsibly.